Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of the Season Gaming Bigcast. I'm your host, Ains. I'm joined by Bert. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a number of things, uh, including our main topic, which is how Ubisoft is continually involving the way they support their titles, uh, including Division, Rainbow Six Siege, For Honor, and some others. So we'll get to that a little bit later. For now, we're going to kick it off with the news. And uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, Electronic Arts and the announcement of their EA Play Conference for 2018. So if you're familiar with the last few years, uh, Electronic Arts has held their EA Play conference around the same time as E3. It's a standalone conference where they highlight some of their major titles that are coming. Obviously, they're sports titles. Uh, but what's interesting this year is they, they've said they're going to uh, show their sports titles, uh, Anthem, which obviously we're uh, really excited for, but also that the next Battlefield game they confirmed is coming this year and it will be playable at the conference in June. Um so that's rather interesting. What do you think, Bert? Yeah, I think EA has really turned into kind of having those two big games that are going to release in the fall. I think the sports games, we all know we're getting a FIFA. We all know we're getting Madden, stuff like that. But um, I think the big ones for this year are going to be what the new Battlefield is going to look like. As we know, there's kind of that race that takes place between, I guess, Call of Duty series, whatever that's running with. And there's always going to be some kind of Battlefield, whether it be like a new... Uh, you know, Battlefield Frontline or something weird like that, or the new one. But I think a lot of people are excited to see what it's going to look like. Um, I'm one of the excited people. I did enjoy Battlefield 1 quite a bit, but I want to see what's new coming from them because we've kind of been looking for some of the older uh, Battlefields to kind of make a resurgence into how the, the games play. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I don't really care for Madden anymore. I don't care for FIFA anymore or anything like that. I know they're coming. They're going to have a few updates here and there. But... They're, it's fun to watch. It's just not something that a lot of people like lose sleep over when it's coming out. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm uh, I'm actually most looking forward to uh, the Battlefield and Anthem, of course. Um, Battlefield, I'm really, really hoping is uh, Vietnam. I think that would be amazing. I don't think there's really been any rumors. There was some rumors that it could be Bad Company 3. Now, whether or not you know that means it's a specific era, I don't know. But uh, I'm certainly hoping it is Bad Company 3 in Vietnam. That would just make my day. But I'm looking forward to seeing Anthem a lot more of that. Hopefully they have a, a lot of new actual gameplay footage we can see of that. And then, uh, of course, I've talked about before that I'm a big NHL fan and NHL 18 was a pretty big letdown. So I'm hoping NHL 19 uh, has some significant changes. Yeah, especially with Anthem being kind of, I guess, really hot and cold in the press. A lot of people have been worried about Anthem and what's been happening during development. It'd be interesting to see if they have changed anything or if the game looks different now in a better or worse way. We always know that when that first teaser comes out, the games don't always turn out the way that they looked when they first did. But uh, we're getting closer to release, so I'm, I'm hoping we're going to see closer to the finished product, even though I'm sure it'll change a couple more with different iterations of updates or whatever it is it's going to change between now and release. Yeah, and I believe they confirmed, uh, at least at the investor call, that it's going to be uh, released before the fiscal year 2019 is up, which means it should be out before March of next year. So whether or not that still holds, we'll see. But uh, it's an ambitious title, so and I think a lot of people, even some old Destiny fans now, are hoping it really kind of comes in and, and shows Destiny how to do a proper kind of you know co-op shooter in an uh, MMO light type game. So we'll see. All right, so let's move on from that. We will be talking more about that in the future. Um, Bert and I may be in the area there around EA Play. We may go to EA Play this year and cover it, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, moving on for now, we'll talk about Fortnite. So Fortnite is uh, turning out just continually growing, and it's uh, it's one of the biggest games uh, around right now. It's one of the top games being streamed daily on Twitch and Mixer. It uh, It's 
continually being updated. In fact, we're talking here about the 3.0 release for Battle Royale, which also included an update which uh, made it hit 60 frames per second on all consoles, not just the Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, but uh, the Epic's really doing some good work here. They're just continually improving it. I think they know they have a hit on their hands. We've talked about this before, how they're competing with PUBG on the Battle Royale side, but they still have the PvE side that they're supporting as well. So it feels like they're throwing all their weight behind it. It seems to be paid off because the game is just killing it right now. It is one of, if not the hottest game, uh, especially on consoles right now. You sound a little nasally over there. I know, man. I'm still, still recovering. It sucks. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so Fortnite, uh, it's funny because I have a lot of coworkers' kids that um, uh, talk to them all the time about Fortnite, and that's the main game that they're playing. As we've talked about in past vidcasts, you know, we did give Fortnite a try. We enjoyed it. It wasn't a bad game at all. But I think one of the interesting things is see how far it's evolved since its release. It's kind of uh, one of the biggest... Uh, surprises for me when it comes to games and it looks cool and I've, I've kind of talked about it a few times we should kind of go back to that just for fun uh, maybe we'll talk about some fun stuff we have planned for our community in the future but um you know good for them i like to see it i still want to see it on the x i have not seen it with all the updates that have recently come out so i might just give it a try to see what it's like but I, i've enjoyed it a lot actually yeah, in fact, this latest update that puts it at 60 frames also, they said they basically uh, optimized it depending on the platform. So apparently, from what I've read on the Xbox One X, it um, it looks even better than it did. They changed some of the lighting features, some of the shadow details, so it supposedly looks fantastic. Um, and I mean, there's no question that when you're talking about PUBG or Fortnite, which one's better optimized at this point in time, it's by far Fortnite, which I think is actually driving some of those uh, Battle Royale fans to Fortnite over PUBG right now, but... Anyway, um, so next up, we're going to touch on PlayStation VR. Um, and the reason why is because Sony's really pushing it hard right now. They've uh, they've had a limited time sale that started last week, I believe, runs through next week on March 3rd, where PSVR is only $199, um, including all the bundles are on sale as well. So if you like that bun bundle, excuse me, with Skyrim or Doob or some of the other ones they have, uh, excuse me. Uh, those are on sale as well. So if uh, you've been waiting to p pick up a PlayStation VR, now could be the time. And it seems like from all the rumors and discussion points we've had or, or heard, uh, it's going to be a big focal point for them at E3 this year as well. So uh, it seems that Sony's continuing strong support for PSVR, which is good. I remember about a year, year and a half ago, we talked about whether or not they would or whether or not it would go the way of the Vita, sadly. Uh, but it looks like it's it's here to stay. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the next couple of years. Yeah, and funny enough, when uh, when I heard about the sale, I did go online to see if they were selling better. Um, funny enough, some of the bundles are already sold out um, in numerous locations. So if you're interested in the PSVR, depending on what you're looking for, if I'm not mistaken, there were some VRs for, I think, Gran Turismo Sport. I think there was a Skyrim, a few other ones that kind of come with that. So kind of look around to see what you can get. Um, if you're into VR whatsoever, and not everybody is, um, right now is the time to get it for the console. So check it out. Yeah, I was tempted, to be honest, at 200 It's almost worth jumping in just to play around with it. I I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but, um, you know, I just don't know if it's if it's something I'm going to really get into if I want to wait till maybe they, you know, come out with a, a PSVR 2.0 or something. You know, I know there's been some complaints around the wires and the move controllers and some other things. So I may continue to hold out just a little longer until we see the, the next revision of it, but yeah and the simple thing of it is it's just a hundred dollars off so whatever bundle that you may have been eyeing before um whether it be the 350 bundle or whatever the case is it's it's going to be 100 bucks off so kind of should take a look at it if you had already had it on your radar nice 
So burnout. Uh, I was never a big burnout fan. Um, I believe you were, if I recall correctly. But uh, Burnout Paradise is getting remastered for Xbox One, PlayStation Four. Um, it's going to be thirty nine ninety nine, and uh, comes out here next week or a couple weeks. But uh, this looks pretty interesting. I know people have been kind of uh, wishing for a new burnout game for this generation of consoles. So I think the rumor right now is that if this remaster does well, that a new, uh, a brand new burnout game may be all the way as well. What do you think? Yeah, I am actually a big burnout fan. It was one of the games that I played socially with my friends locally, um, not online or anything like that. But it's got a great crash engine. I guess that's one of the things that it was well known for. And Burnout Paradise was kind of the first one that had a like the kind of the open world feel. So if you enjoyed it, um, it's getting the remaster and it does come with all the DLC that it had. So the game was extremely supported um, after it launched for a good while. I think even maybe two years. Um, and it is releasing on March 16th. So they announced it and right away within 30 days, it's coming out. So it's coming out on both consoles. Um, I think there was talk of it coming to the Switch, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I don't know if a Switch port's coming later or not. I, I don't remember, but March 16th, that's good to know. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, as you said, it's kind of the open world burnout. So I don't know how that performs up against more of our new open world racers since burnout was popular, right? Especially things like Forza Horizon 3, which is a masterpiece. So I guess we'll see how that kind of compares. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider is uh, was leaked. I guess you could say leaked, not really, but it was leaked to be coming to Xbox Game Pass in March. So just here next week, Xbox Game Pass members will be able to play Rise of the Tomb Raider for free, um, which, of course, times right up with the launch of the new Tomb Raider movie that uh, launches here in a couple weeks. So there's definitely some kind of partnership there or Microsoft's gone out and uh, you know made sure they're going to highlight that. We talked before how... Uh, the next Tomb Raider, which is uh, rumored to be Shadow of the Tomb Raider, uh, we would have thought that might have come out in summer, you know, prior to the major holiday releases. But with the movie coming out so early now, it's kind of uh, neat to see Rise of the Tomb Raider being pushed again as that movie launches. Yeah, maybe this was the big thing. I, I, I think that was one of the things we both agreed on, that there would be maybe an announcement or something for it. But funny enough, maybe this is the announcement that's been kind of teased. Um, we'll talk more about what we're currently playing, but the only thing I can say about this is that it's kind of a big deal for the uh, online pass, I guess, model in general. Um, you know, Rise of the Tomb Raider is one of the games that did have an exclusive launch license back when it released, um, and then it was timed and everything, but it's one of the best games of, uh, I think, this generation. So if you haven't played it, if you do have Xbox Game Pass, play it, please do, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely AAA. It's one of my favorite games. Uh, this buddy I know named Bert actually bought me a copy, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, fantastic game. And uh, as you kind of commented on there, the interesting thing here, right, is Xbox Game Pass. We've been talking for a while about when we'll see third party, major third party titles come into the program. And so I think it's safe to say this is the biggest one we've seen yet. So with uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider coming in uh, on March 1st, likely you've got Sea of Thieves launching in later in March, which is going to be their day one and date on Game Pass. It'll be interesting to see if other third parties kind of jump uh, on board here later in the year um, with some of their, their games. So good news all around, really. Yeah, last thing I'll mention about it is if you do have an Xbox One X, it is one of the prettiest games on console right now. It's got uh, three different modes for the X, and it looks fantastic in 4K, and they have what they call enriched visuals, which is kind of a mix of a good frame rate and 4K. So uh, check it out if you have an X, especially if it, when the Game Pass comes out. I'll stop raving about it, but it's, it's a fantastic game. <laughs> 
All right, so talking about a game that's even better than Rise of the Tomb Raider, so Turok, uh, Dinosaur Hunter, one of my favorite games uh, from the Nintendo 64 generation. If you were playing games at the time, uh, Turok really kind of um, changed the game in kind of open-world, first-person shooters. It wasn't really open-world what we would consider that today, but just having more freedom than your standard linear shooter. Um, it was a fantastic game at the time. Uh, Night Dive Studios has remastered the games. They came out on PC a little while ago, but the ports are actually coming over to Xbox One next week. That's going to include Turok Dinosaur Hunter, which is the first game, and Seeds of Evil, which is the second game. Uh, these aren't complete remakes or you know remasters. They're more of like uh, up-res HD-supported titles, but it's really neat to see that back again. I'll probably pick them up because I adored both games, uh, especially Part 1. I, could, I probably played that through that game beginning to end several times so be kind of uh interested to throw that back on on the xbox one yeah i actually had to go in my little collection and pull it up i still have the full box with uh the game and everything so maybe i'll boot it up just for the heck of it maybe do a funny comparison between the two but i also love turok it was fantastic back in the day um i'm not sure about the ones that came out later in the generations those no we won't just... talk about those those are weird, <laughs> but uh, the N64, and if, if you have that uh, special cart for the N64 for Seeds, is it Seeds of Evil? That's part two. Seeds of Evil, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, that goes for like hundreds of dollars if you have that special cart that was released for it. But yeah, those, those should be fun to come back to. When you say special cart, what do you mean? The N64 cart, there was one that was kind of an error release that came out. I think it has a different cover on the uh, N64 cart. It's oh. extremely rare and kind of like a collector's item that goes for a lot. It's one of the highest, um, most valuable carts for the N64. Oh, I had no idea. I do have my Seeds of Evil game I've had since launch sitting over there across the room. So I'm going to have to take a look at that here shortly. Um, finally, uh, I want to touch on Assassin's Creed Origins. I know we talked about a lot about this game lately, uh, being one of our favorites of 2017, but they've had, uh, and funny enough, we're going to be talking about Ubisoft support here shortly, but uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, the next expansion has been announced. It's called Curse of the Pharaohs. There is a uh, announcement trailer for it on our site you can find. That comes out next week, but they've also released the discovery mode for the game and New Game Plus. So if you're one of those people that played through the game entirely and you just love it so much you, you want to go through and continue leveling up and doing missions and wandering that world, you can now play New Game Plus as well. So great to see this level of support for the title. It obviously sold very well. Um, it, again, this is just good news all around. Great title, great developer, good support. Uh, fans love it, so it's all good. I love it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. I, I'm uh, funny enough. I, with all the games to play right now, I'm holding off on the season pass, and there is already great DLC that is out for this game. So the second that DLC season pass goes on sale, I'll be picking it up and then playing everything. I. I was one of the few dorks that decided to go through all of Origins and do every mission and, and do everything and get a thousand percent on it or a hundred percent a thousand <laughs> gamer score. You really love yeah. it. Thousand <laughs> percent. Uh, but to get the thousand gamer score. Um, and so I had to take a break. I think I spent um gosh, maybe I don't remember what I said, like eighty hours straight on that game and I just needed a break. So I'll come back to it. But it's it's awesome to hear they're doing this. It's such a great game for that. Yeah, and you know, even beyond all of this, they've supported it well with like those weekly events they do as well against the uh, you know the classic gods and other things. So just uh, yeah, like we said, it's really good to see. 
All right, so a couple uh, updates on different developer topics that I wanted to touch on. So this is an interesting one from Sledgehammer Games. So obviously Call of Duty World War II has, uh, from what we've heard, sold really well. It's the number one selling game of 2017, go figure. And um, seems to be performing real well. People are liking it, um, especially over Infinite Warfare, even though you and I liked Infinite Warfare. Um, but the co-founders of Sledgehammer Games, who are also the directors of Call of Duty World War II, have left the company. So this doesn't seem to be something that was done, uh, you know, nefariously. Rather, it seems that they've been in discussion with Activision to basically have their freedom, if you will, and go and start a different project. So Michael Condry and Glenn Schofield, we'll probably hear more from them in the future, but it seems they're already allied with Activision to, to start a new project. So it'll be interesting to see what those guys come up with. Yeah, a lot of weird changes going on with Activision. I'm not sure if there's something going on or maybe they're just people have been working with the company for a long time. I'm not sure what's going on, but I think we'll be seeing something about it here in the next year or so to see maybe if the game quality changes or what's happening. But um, I'm not sure if we should be concerned yet. I mean, the game industry in general has been changing with CEOs leaving, promotions, all kinds of stuff. So I don't know what to think about it, but um, hopefully everything's fine over there. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But uh, it was interesting, nevertheless. Nevertheless, excuse me. And then uh, Night Dive Studios. So I was just talking about that with the Turok ports. They're the ones who also started the Kickstarter um, campaign to get uh, System Shock remade. And they've been working on that for a little while. Well, apparently uh, Feature Creep uh, kind of caught up with them because they're now saying that they've overextended themselves. The game became too much, you know, in the scope they had, the game became too much for them to develop and they're going to have to take some time off and step back to uh, kind of reassess how they're going to remaster the game for the people who supported it. So never like to see this, uh, especially if you're a Kickstarter backer. The last thing you want to hear is the project you're, you've helped fund is now on hiatus. Um, so we'll see what comes of this. System Shock is something that uh, I was looking forward to actually playing through. I haven't played System Shock, but I love the Bioshock games, obviously, um, and the games in that vein. So uh, we'll see what comes of this, but uh, not good news here. No, horrible news. And I was one of the people that was extremely excited to hear about this. And we have some friends that were extremely excited about it, too. Funny enough, when the game originally came out, I didn't have a PC that was strong enough to run it well. So I, I passed on it, and then obviously all the stuff that happened with the System Shock and the Shock name in other games that we love too, I was really excited to see it. I think they had a really cool trailer for the Kickstarter um, that made it even more exciting. So um, it, I'm not sure if you said it already, but they said that they're not abandoning the game altogether. They're just taking a hiatus. Hopefully that means they're coming back, but uh, who knows with the way these things happen these days. I, I, I hope they come back and finish it off with what was promised, though. Yeah, and it's weird to hear because uh, you don't know how much of the work they've done they can keep because, I mean, remastering a game is not a two-month project, right? It's going to take a while. So if those Kickstarter backers are now looking at an extra year plus before they get their product, that's that's not a good thing. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's move on to uh, new releases and what we're, uh, what we're currently playing. So um, I'm going to go ahead and run through these last uh, week or two of releases. There's been a couple of interesting ones we'll talk about. Uh, one of the most uh, significant, for a number of reasons, is Kingdom Come Deliverance. So this is a game from a small group, Warhorse Studios. It's gotten a lot of press and exposure lately. It was a very ambitious title. A lot of people are calling it kind of Skyrim, but without the fantasy. So it's a big open world medieval game. But it's based in in, uh, in history, so they actually went to uh, ancient. They went to ancient Bohemia. No, I don't think they did that. But they went to the lands and uh, basically studied it, learned the history. They took, you know, obviously motion capped and pictures and all those things, 
and they basically recreated this country and nation uh in the 15th century that you then play through a uh, basically a war in that country and it's uh it's real interesting i'll talk more about when we're currently playing but um it hasn't gotten the best reviews it is a little janky you know as you would expect from such an ambitious title out of a small team so that's currently running a 60 died fair on open critic Small game named Faye. I think this is an EA original, if I remember correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there. But this is a, a kind of small indie title. It's again getting a lot of exposure. Supposedly very beautiful, um, but again reviews are kind of uh, middle of the road, mediocre. That's running at a 73 fair. The definitive edition or remaster of Age of, em Age of Empires is out, and that's running a 72 fair. Uh, Bayonetta 1 and 2, games I know you love, Bert. Um, that collection has come out for the Switch, kind of to preface Bayonetta 3, which is coming to the Switch eventually. Um, and as, uh, the reviews on that are just great, 89 and mighty on Open Critic, as you would expect. And then uh, the latest Dynasty Warriors is out, Dynasty Warriors 9. There's been a lot of bad press about this game, especially the way it's optimized for consoles, which is apparently atrocious. Um, the reviews are showing it. It's got a weak review score right now of a 63 average on Open Critic, and uh, I think you could touch on that one as well because I believe you're the only one I know who uh, knows someone who's played that game. And then lastly, uh, Metal Gear Survive. So we'll talk about this a little more too. But this is uh, this is an interesting one. A lot of outrage around this just due to the Metal Gear name. But uh, what do you think about all these? What are you up to? And uh, you playing any of these, or or what do you got? Yeah, so sadly, not playing any of them currently. I did play a couple of them that I'll get to in a second many times in the past. <laughs> but, um, well, a couple of things. Kingdom Come uh, Deliverance is one of the games that um, seemed like every reviewer slash outlet had somebody playing it extensively. Uh, maybe it was for the review or something, but every once in a while in the press, there's a game that is maybe not the best reviewed, but everybody's playing it. I think this is one of the games that everybody has bought to just check it out, see what it's about, see the development that went behind it. But they probably won't finish it or play it for hundreds of hours or you know even 50 hours. They might have picked it up. So we'll see what that is. Um, I was kind of surprised at how low the review scores are considering how many people are playing it, if, if that makes sense. Um, Faye, uh, kind of an interesting thing about Faye is that it was the first uh, EA game that was released from their indie program. I think it's called like the EA Originals program or something like that. And what they did is they pretty much have indies that come to EA and they put a game together and then EA publishes it for them. And they don't really give them any insight or force them to do anything with their games with microtransactions or anything. So um, kind of weird to see if that was um, uh, a big deal that's gonna be successful for EA or not. Um, but I don't know, a lot of people seem to like it, but despite the review scores not, not being there. Um, Age of Empires, I don't, I don't really care anymore. I played that a ton back in the day to where it's just not um, something that interests me, but it's cool to see it coming on console. The one I was joking about earlier was uh, Bayonetta 1 and 2. I've played them already. They've, they've been out for a while. This is another one of the re-releases that we've joked a lot about from Nintendo. Um, that, hey, this is another game that was out on the Wii U. A lot of people didn't play it, so they're going to re-release it. It's going to be the same thing. However, as expected, the Nintendo crowd is nuts about it. Hey, it's it's the new coming of games or something, even though this has been out. Um, Bayonetta 1 was originally previous generation before the Wii U already, so kind of funny that it's, it's getting a new life. And they are out on PC anyways, so if you haven't played it there. But 
cool, <laughs> I guess, that it's out on the Switch and people um, get to play it. But Bayonetta is a fantastic series. Um, we saw uh, when Bayonetta 3 was announced how crazy it was and people were excited about it. Uh, Dynasty Warriors, I, I unfortunately was one of the people that bought it. And the reason I bought it is because it's my, one of my best friends' uh, favorite <laughs> series. He's literally played every single one of them since the start. And he's literally unlocked everything in every game since the start. And the, the joke about it is that's kind of crazy is that there is like 50 people to unlock in every one of these games. And they each have like four or five weapons that you spend hundreds of times button mashing massive crowds of people. It's the same thing over and over and over and over. And no joke, this morning I got a text from him saying, this game is really difficult. I'm having a hard time understanding some of the menus. <laughs> and the funny thing is that they, uh, the Dynasty Warriors franchise has kind of changed their formula. They've gone more into like an open world type game to where it's not just, hey, here's Joe. He goes and kills, you know, George with his massive army. No, you have like side missions and you have to do this. And then when you're doing this side mission, you have to do that. Um, so he's kind of confused. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do in a lot of areas. And he's asking me for help. And I've never even played the game and I won't <laughs> install the game anyways. But um, we'll see what it comes from that. But um, whatever. And then lastly, and then I'll jump right back to you. Does Metal Gear Survive already getting some negative press as if it hasn't gotten a lot of negative press already. And it's with the microtransactions issue that they're having as right now, it seems like the worst time to experiment with microtransactions. So I'm surprised Konami did it, but it's the fact that you have to pay for additional save slots. So the game gives you one save slot. And with that one save slot, you create your character. And after you create your character, you cannot change your character. So um, they are charging you for additional save slots with in-game currency. And um, I can't remember what they're called. Let's just call them Metal Gear dollars just to avoid a long discussion <laughs> about them. But it costs $10 for an additional save slot in Metal Gear Solid, or sorry, Metal Gear Survive currency. So they're getting some outrage. I will not be surprised if they change their um, development thoughts on this idea but it's horrible and the game is full of other microtransactions as well. So uh, I, I, I do still see some Metal Gear diehard fans that are still buying it because it has a Metal Gear name in it. Just remember Kojima had nothing to do with this one and he hasn't had a lot to do with some other ones in the past, but I know people will still buy it because it says Metal Gear on the name. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. That's it for me on the new releases. <laughs> That's exactly why Konami did it, right? And it doesn't surprise me at all that they have microtransactions considering they're best known nowadays for making slot machines. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about this one. I have zero interest in it, and uh, it's kind of a shame to see the Metal Gear name, who I'm not even the biggest fan of Metal Gear, but it's still ridiculous that uh, it was kind of thrown on this game. Uh, I was going to comment on Dynasty Warriors. You mentioned Joe and George. I don't know if those names are what you would expect to see in Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that game's changed a lot if Joe and George are the lead characters. Um, but anyway, still funny. All right, so what are we playing right now? Um, I'll touch on mine. You're probably playing more than me, I think. So let me just touch on uh, The Surge, which is a game I picked up, came out, was it early last year maybe? Maybe late the year before. I don't remember, but... um. It was from Focus Home Interactive and Deck 13, and it's um, it's kind of, you know, a sci-fi souls is what they called it. And I was interested because they just announced the Surge 2 is coming next year, and I was reading some things about it, and I don't know, it just kind of piqued my interest. So I picked it up. I've been playing quite a bit of it. It's a decent game. Um, it, it's not up to the level of Dark Souls 3 or um, 
Bloodboard or anything of that nature. It's got a, a kind of addicting gameplay loop and uh, some cool upgrades you could do to your character, but uh, but overall, it's uh, it's just okay. So I am enjoying it, but I didn't go crazy with it. Um, Kingdom Come Deliverance we talked about, and it's funny you said you know a lot of people wanted to kind of check it out, but not sure if they'll put a lot of time into it. So I put a few hours into it. I was waiting for a couple patches just for the hell of it because I was playing the Surge. Uh, I am looking forward to going back to it though. It's got a very old school feel, so it's a little jaggy, it's a little uh, rough around the edges as you would expect, like I said. But uh, it is a very deep RPG, even deeper. Um, especially in terms of the menus and the, the way you um, kind of not modify your character, but just your traits of your character. It's more like an old school papered pad Dungeons and Dragons style uh, RPG. It's got a lot of like, you know what it reminds me of actually is Might Magic for uh, people who may remember that series. But um, there are some people who are really enjoying it as well. So, um, you know, I can't wait to put some more time into that. And then other than that, just playing some multiplayer stuff, PUBG still. Um, we played Gears last night, which was a blast. Uh, I'm still surprised at how well we did for not having played in a while. But um, anyway, that's about me. What do you, uh, I know you finished some games off, I think. So what uh, What have you been up to? Yeah, I think I think also what you were saying is Kingdom Come Deliverance is I will probably hate it. <laughs> yeah, on, no, I don't think it's the game for you. For yeah, sure. that's not for me. Not for me. But no, I, uh, I saw tons of people playing it and they seemed to like it despite giving it a bad score. Um, was it uh, glitchy at all for you, by the way? Or was it kind of a smooth experience? You know what's weird? I, I didn't get any glitches where like things went wrong or things didn't work. Everything seemed to work fine, but it's a, it's just a little rough. Like It's not uh, super well optimized. The frame rate's a little... You know, it, it kind of... It doesn't... It's not uh, locked, I should say. It doesn't feel locked anyway. And um, it's just a little, uh, a little janky, that's all. I don't really know how else to describe it. Yep. Okay, well, cool. Um, I went through kind of a uh, backlog, let's clean up some stuff while I can, and I completed a ton of games recently. Um, so I, speaking of Rise of the Tomb Raider, and this is before I even knew about the backwards compatibility, but um, I did buy the season pass, I think back in the fall, when it was like five bucks, it was on sale really cheap. And so I didn't play it though. And so once the X uh, enhancements got in, uh, announced, I was like, this has me curious, but I wanted to get other stuff done. Long story short is I did go back and complete all the DLC um, and it's fantastic as you'd expect. Um, there's some really fun stuff that um, I think there's one main mission that's part of the campaign and then a couple other ones that are outside of the campaign that you kind of mess with and um, they're a lot of fun and then there's a survival mode that's now co-op. So if anybody has a season pass and is going through it, you know, try to play it co-op. It's a lot more fun and you can do a lot of customizable things. And then with the DLC, she has tons of costumes and the only thing that I found funny about it is you can actually go back and put the original Tomb Raider Lara Croft in your game and you can play that in the what is a 32-bit era so you have like a 32-bit figure running around in the current Xbox One X enhancement world so that was kind of cool uh, but then it has every single Tomb Raider uh, costume after that of, of Lara Croft so you can kind of mess with it as well as some other cool ones also finished off um, all the episodes of Tells uh, from Borderland and if you have not played that game and you are a Borderlands fan, it is an absolute must. It, it hits it on the right on the perfect uh, feeling of Borderlands. They actually partnered up with Gearbox when they were developing the game. So um, you get pretty much a really smooth um, performance of that game in general. And the story is hilarious. As, as you can expect with Borderlands, it's one of the best. I think it has now jumped to my favorite Telltale game, um, jumping over some other ones that I never thought could be beat. So um, I also went back and I finished... Um, 
the four is a seven campaign, I guess, the single player campaign, and that's when you play all the cups. Um, a couple of them were pretty painful because I had to play almost three hours of an endurance race, and that was brutal. My, my fingers hurt after a while, and I had to take breaks and watch like a show or something come back to it. But I did beat it all for a whopping like 100 gamer score, which was um, kind of a waste of time, but kind of that's that. Um, <laughs> And then uh, lastly, there was a, another one that I finished that I was really excited about. Um, oh, Hellblade. Uh, came back to Hellblade. Uh, I completely finished it. It was one of my favorite experiences in gaming that I've had for a while. It's a short game. I, I think maybe I spent nine hours on it, maybe eight hours. If that, I didn't time myself, but it's what it kind of felt like. And it has the best sound of any game that I've probably played in a long time when it comes to the experience in a single player game. So if you have a PlayStation 4, and even a PlayStation 4 um, Pro, even better for you, play this game, use a headset, or if you have an awesome sound system in your house already that can play full 3D sound around you, it's it's something to experience just for that. I've had numerous people, I should say two, not, not hundreds of people, but uh, <laughs> um, saw me playing it, and they were just engrossed in what I was playing, and then, um, it's, it's a must play, so check that out. Um, stuff that I am currently playing is I uh, did go back to one of the, my Black Friday games, Evil Within 2. Um, this game is fantastic, by the way, if you like survival horror and legit survival horror. It feels like an original Resident Evil game before they turn into like an arcade shooter. Um, and some of the stuff is, I, I, I would actually put it in the world of like Resident Evil meets Alan Wake and kind of what it, uh, the experience you're playing through the game. And it's got some twisted shit in it. I, I have to say that it is crazy on some of the stuff that happens and it does creep you out. So, and I don't, I don't creep easy in these games and I jumped a couple times on some stuff. And then lastly, I'll be finishing off near Automata when I finish Evil Within 2. So as if I'm not playing enough, that's it for me right now. I was going to say, are you going to play some games? I mean, that's kind of what we're supposed to be talking about. So, yep. <laughs> Um, Evil Within 2, I, I definitely need to get back to soon. I only have a few hours into it, but I hear just nothing but great things. So I've got to uh, force myself to go play that before all the big titles come out in the spring here. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about Evil Within 2 is that if you are a person that has gotten used to the new survival horror where you just shoot and blow things away with your machine guns and your bazookas and everything, you're not going to like this game. <laughs> it is very slow, methodical. Uh, Sebastian, the main character, he moves really slow. You do get to speed up a little bit as you upgrade your character, but you have to really think about how you're going to attack literally any enemy. It's um not so far as like a Souls type game where you know a little dog running by will kill you if you're fully leveled up. Nothing like that. But um, every character can kill you pretty easily with two hits. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, if you haven't fully leveled up, but you don't you don't level up for a while. But it's it's awesome. You have to play this game if you like those games at all. Nice. Nice. We'll do. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about our main topic. So today we we're just going to quickly touch on uh, Ubisoft and how they've kind of led the way for game support over the past couple of years. Um, you know, there's a few notable examples here. Right. So a couple of years ago, Rainbow Six Siege launched and uh, it, it got good reviews out of the gate, um, but it didn't really blow anyone away. It didn't really create a huge community. There was that kind of niche community that really, really enjoyed the competitive nature of it. And uh, but then, since then, you know, here we are coming into season three and they have just continually grown that game. And it's actually one of the most popular shooters on the market now. Uh, there's a pro league for it. 
It, uh, I think they said they've had 25 million people, you know, in total play it now. Um, season three is just coming out now. They keep adding people and operators and tuning in. And it's just one of the best shooters, you know, team based shooters you can get right now. Uh, the same can be said for a couple of Ubisoft titles, right? So the division has been the same. It, uh, it kind of launched well. It sold well, but uh, the end game really wasn't there. There were a lot of complications with the whole Dark Zone mechanics and other things, and that's just really evolved. Uh, For Honor is another perfect example. They just added dedicated servers, you know, a year and a half after launch or a year after launch. Um, you know, they've had multiple seasons, new characters there. So essentially, you know, if you look across the industry, there's really no other AAA publisher I could think of or we could think of, I should say, that... Um, was supporting their games like Ubisoft. And it's interesting to see that they're doing this for the majority of their titles. So, um, you know, Bert, why don't we talk about, uh, you know, what you've seen here? I know, like we said, a huge fan of Assassin's Creed Origins. I know you played a lot of Division when it first launched, but kind of fell out of it. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the way Ubisoft is evolving, how these uh, giant publishers support these games over an extended period of time? Yeah, first of all, I want to say it's really interesting. And I think Ubisoft has gone this direction because they kind of had to. Um, if you think about all the games that they've had on their calendar in the last, let's say, even 16 months or something like that, every single one of them had a really, really rocky launch. And if you continue to kind of release that, um, people are going to start moving away from your games. And um, I think they've kind of taken feedback that people have really given them and kind of run with them. I remember Division... Uh, if you gosh, if you remember Division before the PS4 and Xbox One were released, that was one of the first teaser games that was released. It looked amazing. It looked like something that we hadn't seen um, on any game or even PC stuff during that time. And then it releases, and we're like, what "The hell is this? This isn't what we wanted, or at least what we were told." Um, and people still enjoyed it. I mean, I think Division, the year it released, was one of the highest selling games, if not the highest selling games behind your Call of Duties, your Battlefields, and your Maddens and FIFAs. So um, one of the kind of good things about that is you could get the game for dirt cheap at one time, um, like under $10, because there were so many trade-ins for it. But um, as far as your question, what do I think about it? I think it's great that they're supporting their games. Um, I think people are starting to get used to, if not at least aware, that games as a service is now becoming one of the main things that games are doing now, the game that you buy at launch is no longer the game that you're going to be playing a year or two years down the road. Um, now, I wonder what this means for the future of Ubisoft games as far as sequels go. Um, does that mean Division 2 is not going to see a sequel anytime soon? Is Rainbow Six not? I, I do remember reading something recently that uh, Ubisoft did come out and say that Rainbow Six Siege is not getting a sequel anytime soon. It's not even in their plans. They're just going to be supporting their games. So what does that mean for the future of these franchises? Um, and are we going to see more games like Origins that takes multiple years to release and there may be not just one year anymore between an Assassin's Creed, but now multiple years between each game so they can kind of focus on quality products versus quantity. So um, I think it's good they're doing it. I think it's changing what fans of Ubisoft are starting to expect from the publisher slash developer. Yeah, and I think they're doing, to your point, I think they're doing a really good job of it. So going back to Rainbow Six Siege, because it seems to be the most notable example, is Season 3, like I mentioned, just came out. And how they're doing it is, because Siege is just a multiplayer, really only title, a team-based shooter, uh, Season 3 is $29.99 for that pass. So they're still obviously funding their development. But it's... Um, you know, it doesn't leave anyone out in the cold. You don't need the season three content to continue playing with everyone else, which I think is a really uh, distinct point and notable point. Um, 
but if you want to continue supporting the game and you want the the latest things they're adding to the game, you do that, and it it continues to help uh, kind of everyone because you're paying for the development that everyone benefits from. So, um, the division at launch, uh, you know, I adored it. I was one of those people that put hundreds of hours uh, into it, but uh, it did definitely get better over time. Um, when they got to the underground DLC and they and they did some of their um, later expansions. They then went back and said, all right, we need to really rethink our gear system, the dark zone and other things. And, and they did. They spent the next six to eight months with a roadmap, communicating with fans and really uh, putting things on the PTS, the player test server to see how uh, players responded to it. And that game is is completely different top to bottom other than the campaign story, you know, is completely different top to bottom from when it launched, which is great because it, it really is a a very good game and it deserved better than to kind of die in uh you know mediocrity um for honors another one i really enjoyed out of the gate but uh again it had its shortcomings um you know fans were displeased with the uh dominion mode the four and four mode and how it performed on the the peer-to-peer connections uh it had some balance issues and it, it wasn't super deep and they've just gone all in on it you know there's uh several more um, characters you can use now based on the season pass. But even beyond that, they've completely revamped the online system for that game. They've added all kinds of things to it, polished and tuned it. And now, just recently, they've uh, brought dedicated servers. So I couldn't think of, I was trying to think of any game that launches a major AAA title um, on one type of network connectivity model, like a peer-to-peer peer-to-peer server or peer-to-peer connection excuse me and then transition that entire community to dedicated servers i can't imagine you know i'm in networking in telephony and that kind of undertaking is is massive and it's not cheap either um and that is you know the notable thing here right is that they weren't making any money off this there's no expansion for for honor that uh, players paid for to have this transition it's just ubisoft did it because their fans were saying hey, this isn't working. We love this game, but uh, you're not supporting it well, or it's not running well, I should say. Um, and so they did it. And uh, I think that's just great to see. I don't I don't know if we would see something like that out of Electronic Arts or Activision. Um, I don't know if we have, but I, I, it's great to see Ubisoft leading the way in that, in that regard. You mean like Bioware? <laughs> no, no, we're not going to talk about it. I'll tell you one game that I've just been oh. extremely impressed with from Ubisoft that I um, play probably weekly. It's uh, Just Dance 2018. Oh my God. Oh, you are killing me. <laughs> Nuts. We're trying to be oh, a positive here. Uh, I'm just kidding. But that, <laughs> that game does have like Actually, a massive following, funny enough. I was going to say it um, sells like millions and millions and millions. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of one of the funny things is um, how about the games that they haven't really supported a ton? And uh, one that me and you took a long time to buy, but we did eventually pick it up is Watch Dogs 2. And the funny thing about that is, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just going to assume because I think we had this conversation, but I really liked Watch Dogs 1 um, after all the negative press and everything that was you know, promised. I think Ubisoft went through that time where their trailers were nothing like the games that they released, and Watch Dogs was heavily criticized about it. But at the end of the day, I, I enjoyed Watch Dogs 1 a lot. I, it wasn't like a perfect game, and I'd probably give it on a bird scale from 1 to 10, probably a 7.5, 8. But that was one of the first games that came out for this generation that I enjoyed a bit. And so when I hesitated on buying 2 because they changed so many things, you and I were both waiting for either a pro patched or an Xbox One X patch, and we still have yet to see it. Yeah, so 
There is a pro patch now. They finally released one for it. Um, I don't know when the date was on that or what it runs at, but there is no Xbox One X update. Um, and it's kind of weird. The game kind of came out flat. It did not sell up to their expectations. And I, I think here what may have happened is because of that, and because that game came out last fall and didn't perform like they expected, and because it really doesn't have a big community around it that's going to lift it up, um, I'm wondering if they just kind of cut their losses and said, here, it is what it is. We're supporting all these other titles that have these big communities. We can't support them all. So uh, that's the one that's got to go by the wayside, which is kind of a shame because, you know, I bought it hoping for that Xbox One X update so I could really play through it. Like you said, I really enjoyed Watch Dogs 1. Um, I know it gets a lot of criticism for uh, Aiden, the lead character, being kind of a, you know, kind of flat or what what have you. But I thought it was a great game and I had a lot of fun with it. So it's kind of a shame that... Um, Watch Dogs 2 isn't being supported in the same way. Yeah, another one that's kind of in the same realm um, that kind of released, and it's kind of unfortunate for me because I was super excited, but I still am, and I still have the collector's edition of it, is the South Park game. Um, I think because it's not really an online game where it's multiplayer and you you do a lot of stuff together, I think they've kind of released it. And if you think about it, after that first week or two that it released, after the multiple delays and the multiple press, we didn't hear much about South Park anywhere. Um, we didn't hear about it in any awards. We didn't hear about it on any. Um, it is enhanced, which is, uh, but I didn't hear any uh, announcement about the enhancements that came out. To be honest with you, I don't even know what it enhanced up to. I don't know if it's a 4K game or anything about any of that stuff. And I have it. I played about two hours of it, and then I set it aside for all my big games that I've been waiting for at that time. So it's kind of unfortunate, but I think um, Ubisoft is really, to kind of jump back on the main topic that we're talking about, I think they're very focused on the multiplayer model that's kind of happening for that. And one of the games that we are uh, playing together right now is Wildlands, and that game looks fantastic. I think it's probably in the top five or ten looking games on the Pro and Xbox One X. So, um, yeah, maybe Ubisoft is slowly turning into a multiplayer machine um, when it comes to that with a couple single players that are are great but that's still not their main selling game or piece of software yeah and uh, just to comment on south park i think we know why that's just kind of gone by the wayside no one really is worried about that so um but moving <laughs> moving on um yeah so i wildlands like you commented on they had the whole predator update which was really cool to see and um yeah, I think the communities around those games and the, and the updates are, are, like you said, it's because there's communities and there's a multiplayer component there. Um, Far Cry 5 is coming soon. That's mostly a single-player title. Um, actually, I, I don't know, like Far Cry 4, you know, had that limited multiplayer that, you know, a few people played. But Far Cry 5, they have announced the season pass for. Uh, and it's got three really kind of unique, kind of almost funnier or kind of... Uh, joke dlcs that are coming for it so that could be really interesting because i know there's like a zombie one and there's some other things coming for it but um what'll be more interesting um one of the games we haven't talked about or even seen or heard about since e3 last year and i hope we see it this year's uh, ubisoft conference is skull and bones um you know this looks to be a multiplayer kind of community pirate game um but in a much more serious tone than sea of thieves where it's more about combat and, and pvp so um i could certainly see this going the way uh like siege division four or wildlands etc of being the next community game that ubisoft uh, really supports yeah and skull and bones has looked fantastic i have no idea what it's going to be but if, if we remember the assassin's creed black flags ship play that was kind of in there a lot of people love that it was probably one of the best 
points of feedback from that uh, Assassin's Creed. And even in the most recent Origins, they did have some of that sea combat that's a lot of fun that a lot of people really like in the Assassin's Creed. So seeing that fully realized as the main gameplay point in the game looks really cool. And I, I hope by the time it does release it, is it 2018 that we're looking forward to that game? Or are we bleeding into 2019 for that one now too? You know, I don't think they gave a date. I don't remember seeing a date for it. So who knows? I guess we'll find out here in a few months. Yeah. So um, I, I, I bet you it's going to look beautiful for starters. Um, and I mean, I, who knows? What, I, I guess the big competition is who has the best water in these games. And uh, Sea of Thieves is going to be really hard to beat when it comes to water. But in the trailer of Skull and Bones, the water looked fantastic. And so did the mechanics of it. Because I think weather affects it. You know, storms come through and it looks really cool. So I'm looking forward to playing that. Um, and really quick before, right back to you, Ains, but um, it seems like every generation or every year, Ubisoft kind of has a game that kind of gets pushed aside and kind of forgotten about. The last one that happened to that, too, was Far Cry Primal. Um, so I never even played it. And um, I did play every other single Far Cry, including the original Far Cry. And this one, I saw it, like, eh, and it just kind of <laughs> got forgotten. And then I know some people picked it up. When it was like under fifteen dollars at some places, but I still have yet to play it. I I can't remember if you played it. Did you play it? Yeah, I put a few hours into it. It uh, it it's not that it was bad. I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, but it, it definitely wasn't that big standalone. You know, I think they said if you it was the same map layout as uh, Far Cry Four. You know, they just changed everything in it, so you could tell it wasn't one of the big standalones like Far Cry Five. So I hope Far Cry Five kind of is that next giant iteration, which it looks to be. I'm really excited for that game. Nice. But yeah, um, well, we'll see what happens with Ubisoft. I mean, I think everybody's pretty happy with what they're doing. I think as long as we have the mindset that the games that come out at $59.99, whatever the price model is, you're going to pay a lot more for games now. And we've kind of had this topic in the past where um, we wish that those games were a lot less, maybe even a $29 or $39.99, because you're going to be paying as an additional amount. I, I, I believe you just said that Season 3 for Rainbow Six is $29.99. And if yep. you think of Season 2 was probably $29.99 or $20, bucks, you are well over $130, $140 for a game that has evolved throughout time. And that's fine, but that's a lot to spend on software. Um, unless that is all you're playing, and which is very possible. A lot of people, maybe that's one title that they play over and over, but it'd be nice to see that original content discounted, knowing that we're going to be paying for seasons coming up in the years to come. Yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to see it evolve. I'm kind of curious to see how other developers respond in this way. You know, Call of Duty from Activision is obviously the biggest title. Um, it's still using the season pass model. Um, Battlefield 1 had the premium pass yet again, which, as we've seen, it was $50 at launch, and now you can get it for, like, 10 bucks. you know? Um, so I'd, I'd, it'll be interesting to see if they evolve, because I think it needs to evolve. Um, and with the new Battlefield coming this year, new Call of Duty coming this year, which is rumored to be Black Ops 4, uh, we'll see what they do. But they make so much money, I don't know if they have a big reason to change. And that's what's really interesting about Ubisoft, is a lot of the things they've done here, they're obviously making their money. I mean, that goes without saying. But a lot of the things they've done, like I was talking about the dedicated servers on For Honor, um, there's no cost-benefit for them there in the short term. Obviously, the, the cost-benefit play there is to bring that community back so they spend more money playing the game on future content or you know little additions you can buy in the game. But... Whether or not that pays off, I uh, would be interested to know the details there. But regardless, I um, I really like it. I, my son's playing a lot of Siege now. I like the Division. I've actually thought about going back to it on occasion just because of all the updates. 
um, for honor as well. Really good title. And like you said, we're playing Wildland. So it's neat to see. And um, I hope the other companies take note, especially with something uh, from EA like um, Anthem, right? We were just talking about. It'll be interesting to see how they handle Anthem. Will they handle it like Bungie did with the division, which I think is a really poor way to handle it? Um, I would hope that they'll do something different, but we'll see. Yeah, is the I was just trying to check really fast, but is the division enhanced yet for Xbox One X? I know there's a pro patch. I just wasn't sure if there's a One X patch. You know, I don't know. I haven't played it recently. I know the Rainbow Six Siege team announced that a Pro and X patch is coming for that in the near future. Um, they were getting the Season 3 done, and then it's coming for that. But I don't know about the vision. For Honor is. For Honor is updated. Wildlands is updated. Siege is going to be updated. I'm not sure about the vision. Yeah, I'm here looking at it as, as we're chatting. Division is not enhanced yet, but it is in the works is what it says. Um, but yeah, very cool to see these games. Some of them are not uh, full 4K, but they are. They do have that HDR support, which is really nice, especially with these games that we're talking about. That looks great. So yeah, that'll hopefully be that'll look Division awesome. With the way you know New York is in that game. Um, it already looked pretty cool, to be frank. But anyway... Uh, you know, if you have any thoughts about uh, Ubisoft support for these titles, if you're a big Siege player for Honor, any of the games we talked about, or if you'd like to see some type of similar model from Activision EA, or if, uh, you know, there's something about the model that we didn't touch on, just uh, go ahead and let us know in the comments. But for now, we're going to uh, move on to a couple of the um, sections of our BitCast we really enjoy. So talk about some collectibles real quick. So, Bird, what do you got, on, uh, what do you got this time around? Yeah, I don't really have a lot of collectibles that I've, uh, you know, gone out and purchased or had on pre-order or anything. Uh, one thing that was kind of fun is I had to get together with some friends this past, uh, not yeah, last week actually. Um, and uh, one of my buddies was like, man, I got a ton of games that um, are just sitting on a shelf and my wife wants me to get rid of the shelf. I don't play these games anymore. I don't even have the console anymore. Do you want them? And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll take them. Well, I have, I got this massive box of just uh, 360 PS2 games and, and a couple others that I'm still kind of organizing to see what I have duplicates of. And so I was really kind of happy to get that. One of the things that I, I did get that's really cool is some original Famicom games. So this is the NES version of the, um, uh, the, the, the Japanese version of the NES. And uh, I got some cool games from that. I got Tetris, I believe Contra and Rampage, if we all remember that game that is now being made into a horrible movie, um, is I got that as well. And those are cool little cartridges. I'll try to find them in a second while Ains is talking. I thought I had them at my desk, but I don't. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of cool to go through that old software. I'm going to kind of see what I'm going to do with the uh, the duplicates of all the games that I have, because I'm not sure if they're worth a ton of money or anything, but it's kind of cool to have them. Um, and maybe we'll do something as giveaways or something. But uh, really happy to get that, kind of improve the collection a little bit, and um, kind of fun. That's about it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love seeing the Japanese version of those games, whether it's, you know, Famicom stuff, the Mega Drive, you know, Genesis stuff, or uh, Neo Geo Japanese versions are pretty popular as well. So it's always neat to see. Uh, it's kind of funny that, you know, you think back to the eight 16-bit generations, there was a, a lot of talk because at the time, the systems were not only different, but everything was region locked, right? So the, the Famicom and the Super Famicom and the Mega Drive and the PC Engine for TurboGrafx fans, we're all very different from their American counterparts, whereas now you just have a Xbox One or a PlayStation 4, you know, and it's uh, it's pretty much worldwide. So different era, but interesting to look back on. Um, so for me, I um, have a few collectibles. You can kind of see them behind me. Not, nothing crazy. I picked up the Horizon Zero Dawn Pops. I'm not even going to go into those. I just kind of collect those for all the games. Um, I got this pretty cool Cuphead print. 
last week at Comic-Con here in Kansas City. It's an artist who did the uh, uh, what looks to be like an Atari 2600 cover, um, but in Cuphead. So I thought that was really cool, uh, if you can kind of see that. So I've got to get that framed yet, obviously, as you can tell. Um, and then otherwise, I uh, picked up the Sea of Thieves Xbox One controller, which is, uh, I haven't even opened it yet, really, but it's uh, it's just fantastic looking. The design on it glows in the dark. And I've got the stand coming for it as well. So these really nice uh, custom controllers we've talked about before that Microsoft does with some of their bigger titles, um, I collect. And I thought this one was really cool. So like I said, nothing too crazy, but uh, just the, the standard stuff. So neat regardless. Yeah, so I did find them. And um, looking at this closer, so my buddy is from Taiwan. And uh, we do know some things get pirated from Taiwan. And so I'm not 100% sure if these are real or a pirate <laughs> as I look closer at them. So here is a Tetris. Um, I'm going to try to get as close as I can for that. And I cannot read Mandarin or Japanese, but I have no idea what that is with the exception of it saying Taiwan down here. I believe the original one said Japan. <laughs> so uh, it might be kind of off. Here's a Contra, which is really neat. Um, um, that's cool. And, uh, it does say Contra on top. Once again, I have no idea what Contora? It says Contora. Contora. As you're seeing, it's becoming kind of sketchier as I show these. Um, and here is uh, Rampage, which is, uh, if I can get super close there, so you have the kind of oh stuff there. So kind of cool. Uh, this one does say Japan at the very bottom by Hudson Soft, which is legit. But just for reference, these are the... Um, Super Famicom games, so you can kind of see how they look yeah, uh, different. Awesome. Um, and uh, the size. So the size difference is kind of what has me... I believe these this will work on a family computer, as they were called um, back in the day, uh, for the Famicom. But yeah, so um, I hope I can try them sometime. Obviously, a Famicom is going to be really hard to come by um, as long as I... Unless I import it. Um, and then at that point, I'm not even sure if it'll work on our TVs properly. So we'll see. But I'm really excited to get the stuff from him. And I'll once again do some cleanup and see if we can kind of do those as giveaways for the extras, even though they're older software. So kind of fun. Nice. All right. So good segue there. Let's uh, get to season reflections and talk about some classic games we like. So what's your pick for this one? And you didn't do the intro right. But no, I can't. I can't do it. Can't do it. That's OK. Uh, <laughs> mine's kind of a fun one for this week, and it's uh, uh, Vanquish. And the reason I say it's fun is because this game was just announced as backwards compatible on the Xbox One um, for their backwards compatibility program. If you have not played Vanquish on the 360, uh, I guess now on the Xbox One, I highly suggest it. It's one of the uh, funnest games that you'll play in a long time, with the exception that it is very Japanese. And the reason I say that is because uh, it's not going to—it's going to be very different from anything you've played before. You're going to be in a suit, and you have jets on your back and on your knees and your legs, and you go shooting everywhere. It's really, really fast. I kind of uh, liken it to like Metal Gear on steroids. Um, it's the best way to kind of think about it. But the bosses are massive. The story is pretty interesting, even though sometimes you're wondering what the hell's going on. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. I think the total game, um, as far as hours wise, you can probably finish it in ten to twelve hours. But it, it's fun, and it's now on backwards compatible. So give it a try. Yeah, it was pretty neat to see that announcement. And uh, I I think was there a beta for that game by chance? Do you remember? I don't remember. I did buy it pretty soon on launch, but I don't remember a beta to be honest. Because I know I've played it, but I've never owned the game, so I don't know how that was. But um. Yeah, I've only I've only played it briefly, but it's kind of funny because I know there's been some rumors and we didn't really talk about it earlier, but there's some weird rumor out right now that uh, Sega and Microsoft are partnering in some form, whether or not that's Microsoft looking to acquire Sega 
or they're just partnering for something uh, potential like bringing Dreamcast games or some of the older Sega games to the Xbox platform. I don't know, but that's uh, kind of rumors are swirling right now. So we'll see what happens, uh, you know, the summer at E3 most likely. But anyway, my title, I'm going back a little further um, and I be careful with this because I think this might be worth some money nowadays. Not nothing too crazy, but this is Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island for the Super <laughs> Nintendo Mario. Mario. Oh, God damn it. I was doing so well, too. I Oh, well. Anyway, moving on. Sorry, Mario. Um, so, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. It is a... Um, it, it's not often thought of. Whenever you talk about platformers on the Super Nintendo, you know, Super Mario World is the one that always gets mentioned first. This follow-up um, was absolutely incredible. It was a fantastic game. Just as good, in my opinion, as Super Mario World. Some people even like it better. And... Um, it also came out as a port on the uh, Game Boy Advance. So if uh, you can't find it on the Super Nintendo, you can play it on the Game Boy Advance. But great game. Highly recommended if you like those, uh, you know, 16-bit platformers. And uh, just another one of those classic Mario games. Is this one of the ones that had the special 3D chip that was in the actual cartridge? No, I don't, or... so. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I'm For some looking. reason, I thought it was. No, it's 16 megs, which back then was impressive. And it also battery backup, so you could save your progress, which was impressive. Um, you know, people don't realize the things we used to go to or go through back, you know, 20, 25 years ago. But um, yeah, no, I don't I don't see anything about that extra chip. I know you talking about like the Star Fox one. Yeah, I, I can't remember if it's a 3D chip or something like that, but it had some kind of additional stuff in the actual cartridge that pushed the... Um, SNES a lot faster. Um, I don't know. I can't remember, but um, I'll have to look into it to, to see if, if it's if I'm just nutty talking about it or something. Was it also uh, available on the um, Super Nintendo Mini? Oh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, good point. The classic, you mean, right? Oh, yeah, the classic. Yeah, 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 yeah so. I, th I think it is. Good point. I totally forgot about that. So now, obviously, it's a lot easier to play that way than the cartridge. Um, I picked that up a few years ago, and I started collecting some Super Nintendo carts again. But um, yeah, if you haven't played it and love those old Mario games, definitely uh, play it on there. Yeah, to your point, the disc does go for some high dollar and high dollars relative, I guess. But it's kind of hard to spend sixty, seventy dollars on a SNES cartridge now. But yeah, it does go for that, especially full, like, like you have yours complete. So I was gonna very say, nice. You, you confused me for a second because you said the disc, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's a disc in there. But <laughs> um, yeah, I know that's one of the ones, uh, you know. I don't know what they go for. Who knows? But great game. So anyway, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. So uh, just before we close out, I did want to mention uh, something we're pretty excited about, and that is both Bert and I are going to be at E3 this year. Uh, we're going to be covering it formally for Season Gaming. So we're uh, really, really excited about that. As I kind of joked earlier, we may actually be at EA Play. So if we are, we'll obviously cover that live. We also uh, don't know just yet if we're going to be uh, at Xbox Fan Fest or the uh, PlayStation Conference or any of those other big conferences as well. So we don't have a set schedule of events that we're going to be kind of covering or videoing or writing about. If there's anything that you'd specifically like to see that you don't typically see from the major outlets, you know, a lot of the major outlets kind of cover everything in a very similar fashion. So if there's anything a little more niche that you'd like to see or us to check out, um, we'll be happy to do that for you. Um, other than that, a couple new things out. Um, so Bert did a good video on the HDMI adapter for the original Xbox, uh, the Pound HD link. So you can find that on the site or on our YouTube channel. 
Um, I also put up an article recently about 10 games to watch in 2018. That article is up on the site, and the video uh, will be on our channel and on the site here probably in the next day or two as well. So um, anything else you want to uh, kind of plug or talk about before we close out, Bert? Yeah, so we are kind of uh, experimenting with some streaming stuff. So we have been streaming on Mixer uh, together on some games that we're going to be playing. We're currently kind of experimenting on how to publish that out to you because Mixer will give you a video and it's got both of our individual feeds that we're streaming at that moment. So we're kind of thinking of a fun way to do that to where it'll jump back and forth where we don't spend you know days editing an hour of gameplay between the two of us and all the crazy stuff that happens. But kind of stay tuned for that news here in the next couple weeks. We are currently working through... Um, uh, Ghost Recon on um, hopefully that'll be fun to do. Um, we did start Dead Space 3, but we might come back to that when we were having some networking issues with the uh, 360 functionality on the Xbox One, but stay tuned for that. <clears throat> the other thing that we have potentially in the near future is some uh, season gaming, gaming community nights where we'll kind of, uh, if anybody will say, hey, we're playing Call of Duty tonight, have fun and join us as, and we can play together in groups, whether it be private rooms or online together, we'll kind of put some games together and do that. We have had some interest with some people that wanted to play Gears with us. So with that being said, we might just open it up to different types of gaming nights together with the community. So also stay tuned for that one. But at the end of the day, thanks for uh, listening in and joining on us on whatever platform you're with us, whether it be YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, whatever it is. Thanks again. Great. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.